Hey, ass butt. Shut up, you idiot. Hey, y'all. Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Hello. Uh, okay, so we had like all sorts of fun, like doctor's appointments that came up. And then like, of course, you know, I got sick for like a week. So that's why I still kind of sound a little funny. <laughs> so sorry for that. Um, hopefully I don't like cough or anything too much. But um, hopefully we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Maybe with some breaks here and there, depending on more doctor's visits. But <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, of course, just realized that while I put on my headphones, I didn't change my speaker to headphones, and I didn't have you on my right microphone. So, hi. Things hi. Are a little <laughs> different just now. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, there is, um, you know, I'm sure doctor appointments in the future that may be unscheduled, and um, so if we have to miss a week or two, uh, in the future, we are sorry, but we also, are going to try and get together to have some more episodes in the bank, but that's also hard with scheduling. So it is, um, yeah, it's going to be, you know, just we'll fine. try and figure it out. Hopefully we won't have too many more breaks, but if it happens, sorry, also unavoidable. So it is what it is sometimes. <laughs> Yes, but so it's been a while. It's been like I don't know a month, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we're we're excited to be recording again. Also, I feel like I don't remember how. So I feel I'm like, what is this? What are we I doing? Don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I know what's happening. I don't know. So, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and if it's weird, sorry or not, I don't know. Okay, all right, hey, not bad. Okay. <laughs> so today we are talking about uh, season 10, episode 10, called The Hunter Games. So uh, we start out with Crowley walking down a hallway in hell. He looks kind of scared, um, which is weird for Crowley. And then he's attacked by the demon named Guthrie and a few other demons uh, who all have knives. Uh, I wrote knives. Are they angel blades? Wait, they must I be knives. Angel blades, maybe. That I makes more sense because yeah. you can't just kill a demon with a knife. Okay, so no. <laughs> okay, so they stab him over and over, and then we hear Rowena say, "Son, Fergus," and then Crowley <laughs> wakes up from that bad dream. Fergus. <laughs> yep. I know. Every time I read her her dialogue, I oh, it like is totally natural that I would say it in her like cadence and accent. Yeah. <laughs> except I can't do that accent. And also, it seems weird to do, like, her voice, but no one else. I don't know. So I know. Like, just, you can't just, like, do part of it and not all of it. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. But even when I, like, read her dialogue in my head, it is in her accent, you know? So, it, yeah. yeah. 
It's just such a distinct voice. So, okay. Um, okay. So he wakes up. He is sitting on his throne and Rowena is standing in front of him. She says, what's the matter? Crowley says, nothing. Rowena says, nothing. You're soaked in the horror sweat. It sounded like I said whore sweat, but I meant horror. <laughs> Sweating like a whore in church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she says, haven't seen that since the plague years. Darling, what can I do? Crowley says, not a thing, you evil bitch. <laughs> Rowena says, not a thing, you evil bitch. Mother. <laughs> She's like, I'll take that and I'll raise you one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Crowley says, let's not get too cozy just yet. Uh, and then Crowley leaves the room. Rowena pulls a hex bag out of the throne. So, yeah. That bitch caused She's that bad dream. nightmares. <laughs> I know. God. Okay. Um, I mean, like, it's Crowley, so you can't feel too bad for him, but still. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. God, can you imagine growing up with that kind of person as your mom, though? I mean, I guess it only, he, she left when he was like, what, eight, seven or eight? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. But still, that's a lot of years to live with somebody that manipula manipulative, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, opening title sequence. Uh, then we cut to Dean sitting on his bed in the bunker, holding his right arm. He gets up and looks in the mirror, which is all cracked and broken. Uh, we cut to Cass pacing in the library. He's talking to Sam. Cass says, she barely speaks to me. She's like a wounded animal, just watching me. Sam says, look, Cass, you know what? You really tried to do the right thing that night. You did. This guy Claire was hanging out with, Randy. All he did was use her. Cass says, well, she thought he was kind. And for that, she loved him. Shows how little kindness there was in her life. You know, whatever Randy did, he didn't deserve. Sam says, no, yeah, I know. I know. I hear you. Dean has had to kill before. We both have. But that was... Suddenly, Dean walks into the room and says, that was what? Sam says, Dean. <laughs> Dean says, <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about my other friend. Yeah. <laughs> also is named Dean. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Dean says, that was a massacre. That's what it was. There was a time I was a hunter, not a stone cold killer. You can say it. You're not wrong. I crossed the line. Guys, this thing's got to go. And Dean looks down at the marker cane on his arm. Cass says, that won't be easy. Dean says, well, then burn it off. Cut it off. Cass says, it's more than just a physical thing. It will take a very powerful force to remove the effect. Sam says, Dean, we've all been through. No, that's not what he says. Sam says, <laughs> Dean, we have been through all the lore. There's nothing. Cass says, this reaches. Blah, blah, blah. Cass says, <laughs> this reaches back to the time of creation. It may predate the lore. If we had the demon tablet, maybe. Sam says, but you said it was missing. Cass says, it is. Uh, Cass looks a little reluctant, but then says, there may be another way. So we cut to Crowley's empty throne room in Hill. Uh, Rowena comes in looking for, uh, my notes here are wonky, sorry. She's looking for something. Uh, <laughs> she uh, opens a, oh God, I don't even know what this is. Okay, she searches around, but doesn't find what she's looking for. Um, Guthrie comes in and says, ah, may I help you? Rowena turns around, startled. Guthrie says, his majesty didn't want you wandering around unattended. Certainly not in here. 
Rowena says, I was just looking for a wee scrap of food. That swill they bring me, hardly fit for the mother of the king. Guthrie says, I wouldn't know. I don't eat. If you please, <laughs> I have my orders. Rowena says, He's like, also, don't know, don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah, like... right. Rowena says, oh, you poor dear man. Guthrie, is it? Terrified of displeasing him, aren't you? I know how my son can be. You're all scared spitless. Still, a boy listens to his mum. I'd be happy to put in a good word for you. Guthrie says, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, Crowley then comes into the room, holding a contract and a pen. He says, Guthrie, whatever this is, it bores me rigid. Do I sign or not? Guthrie <laughs> says, I found it in order, sir. Do sign. So Crowley signs the contract and hands it to Guthrie. Guthrie nods at Rowena and then leaves the room. Crowley says, Mommy, bored? Suicidal? Both? <laughs> he said, <Ro> hopefully. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. Rowena says, hardly, my dear. I'm learning so much. This place of yours? Poor thing. I see now why you are the way you are. And Crowley sits on his throne. She says, my goodness, the discontent, the gossip, the plotting. Crowley says, plotting? Rowena says, aye. And that one, and she points in the direction where Guthrie went. She says, worst of the lot, watch yourself around him. Mark my word. Crowley says, you do realize that's exactly what you said about the guard, Gerald, down in the cells. <laughs> Rowena says, oh, crap, sorry. Just like knocked over a bowl. Okay. That's not what Rowena says. Okay. Er, <laughs> Rowena says, and was I not right? I know. I know. You mistrust me. And I earned that. And it's a pity, because more than any of your other subjects, I wish you success. Crowley says, I know where you're I know what you're up to here, mother. Blech. Rowena says, do you, dear? Crowley says, you are shamelessly sucking up so that I'll free you so you can run amok and gum up my operation once again. No, thank you. Rowena says, fleesh me. <laughs> Why would I want to be free when I can be here with my son? Does it hurt that you are the king and there are advantages for me in that? No. But more important, I'm a mother. Sue me. I'm proud. Crowley no, says, I don't think so. <laughs> I know, right? Crowley says, excuse me if I don't curl up in your lap. You did manage to stay away for 300 years. Rowena says, please, we've been over this. The locals were going to try me for witchcraft, and that never ends well. I had to flee. <laughs> Crowley says, you could have sent for me. Rowena says, well, then came the chance to study under the great, I'm going to say this word wrong, Milani's, Milani's, the great Milani's witch, Letitia Dalbioni. I'm, I'm sure I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was unpleasantness with the grand coven. Anyway, it was no environment for a child. Crowley says, so locking me away in a squalid workhouse was your solution. Rowena says, I will not apologize for being a career, a career woman. I, I'm struggling. <laughs> a career. Okay. A career woman. <laughs> Knowledge. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. That's where I'm at. <laughs> she says, besides, what's 300 years, more or less, to folks like us? Nothing. I'm back now. We can be a family. Crowley scoffs at her. Uh, so we cut to the playground with the portal to heaven. Cass is pacing. Uh, two angels are guarding the portal and watching him. One is a child and the other is a woman. Cass says, they should be here by now. Was there word of a delay? Uh, the woman angel says, all I do is watch the door. Who are you expecting, Castiel? 
then the portal opens. Ingrid and another angel come through, escorting a prisoner who has a hood over his head. Cass says, thank you, Ingrid. She says, I did as you asked at great risk, Castiel. Cass says, I know. I approached you because I know you share my belief that it is Angel's mission to protect humans. It's possible I can eliminate a great threat to them, but I will need this help. Ingrid says, he must be returned intact. Is that clear? Cass says, yes. And then Cass takes the prisoner. Ingrid and the other angel leave through the portal. Cass takes the prisoner's hood off, and we see that it is Metatron. Yuck. Bastard. Ah, uh, he's so smarmy. I feel bad because I, I truly adore this actor, but every time I see him, like, I do dry heave a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know? Just like, oh, okay. He did a little bit too good of a job. He did too good being a jerk nugget. Okay. <laughs> Metatron says, told you last time I saw you, I'd get out of the slammer. Cass says, it's temporary. Trust me. Metatron says, well, speaking of temporary, you must have borrowed some more grace. You're looking very good. Of course, we both know that won't last. Is that why I'm here? You think I'm going to help you? Cass says, this isn't about me. Metatron says, of course not. The great Castiel never stoops to such selfishness. So what is it then? Uh, they look at Cass's car uh, and Sam opens the front passenger door and gets out. Metatron says, oh, I see. I'm betting you didn't tell Ingrid about him. Hello, Sam. Here to kill me? So we cut to the bunker dungeon. Uh, Metatron is sitting in the chair in the middle of the room. He says, lovely room. Is this where you bring the kinky chicks? Am I right? <laughs> Pam says, I'll ask the questions here. Sam puts some chains around Metatron to secure him to the chair. Sam says, you, your only job is to provide information. Metatron says, ah, well, information does happen to be a speciality. Got about two billion fun facts up here. And he points to his head. He says, of course, whether I choose to cough up one, uh, no, of course, whether I choose to cough one up or not is another matter. Sam says, we need to know how to remove the mark of Cain from Dean's arm. Metatron says, what? He's back because of the mark? So he's a demon. Sam says, no. Metatron says, okay, what then? Sam looks troubled and Metatron says, what, did he kill a human or something? Sam says nothing, but crosses his arms. Metatron says, he's gone nuclear. Total foaming at the mouth, balls out maniac. Uh, that's fantastic. Now I'm thinking about Dean's with his balls out, and I feel weird. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry that happened, but there it is. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Sam says, do you know how to remove it? Metatron says, <laughs> remove what? Balls? <laughs> I know. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Metatron says, maybe. But here's the thing. You expect any help out of me, you keep that crazy brother of yours on a short leash. Sam says, buddy, I don't care what happens to you. You killed my brother. So we cut to the Hotel Astoria. We are inside one of the rooms with Claire, who is packing a bag. There's a knock on the door. Uh, then it opens and Cass walks in. Claire says, I was hoping you'd be gone by the time you got. No, that's not what she says. Damn it. Okay. Claire <laughs> says, I was hoping to be gone by the time you got back. Cass says, if you don't like the room, we can find another one. Claire says, it's not the room, Castiel. It's you. This isn't going to work. I mean, come on. You look like my father. It's his body, but he's dead. And I get it. You feel bad. But you, whoever you are, are nothing to me. 
Cass says, Claire, that's not true. I'm in large part responsible for the way your life has unfolded. I have a responsibility to help you. Claire says, no, you don't. Cass says, Claire, you have seen things, you have been through things that no one your age should have, and you are adrift. I want to help you have a life. Claire says, I have a life. I'm good with it. If what you mean is a normal life, well, that ship has sailed. Cass says, it doesn't have to be the case. You're still young. Claire says, stop talking to me like you're my father. You killed my father. And that friend of yours killed the last thing I had uh, closest to family. Cass says, are you speaking of Randy? Family? A man had you in a room and Randy didn't make a move to help you. Claire says, maybe because he was at gunpoint. Dean Winchester is a monster. Cass says, it's possible there's a little monster in all of us. Claire says, you want me to trust you, and the fact that you'd even try to defend him just proves to me that I can't. Cass says, Claire. Claire says, no, Castiel, I'm done. I have to be on my own. Uh, so Claire leaves and closes the door behind her. Uh, we cut back to the bunker dungeon. Metatron says, ain't life a bitch. Nebishy little guy, me. I was sticking it to the lunkhead jocks. Dean says, you know what? Screw the mark. Let's just kill him. Metatron says, boy, he really is a mess. Who knew the mark was so toxic? Well, actually, I did. You know, it's going to be... Wait, no, that's not what he says. God. Metatron <laughs> says... <laughs> Metatron says, you know it's going to own you sooner than later. Sam says, yeah, so how do we get rid of it? Metatron says, what, just like that? Social hours over? Sam says, yes, and now we're moving on to our keynote speaker. Dean says, which is you, with us asking the questions, and me taking the personal pleasure of carving the answers out of you. Metatron says, now just, whoa, 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 hold on there, badass. <laughs> Lighten up. Why do you assume I'm not going to be helpful? Sam says, because you're a dickwad. Metatron says, but I'm your dickwad. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never been helpful before, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Metatron says, I have a special place in my non-heart for you both. To which end, ta-da, I'd be tickled to help you pop this biblical zit. To do it, you're going to need one specific thing. Your old bud, the first blade. Sam says, what? Metatron laughs and says, as I said, ain't life a bitch. So we cut to Sam and Dean walking into the Men of Letters library. Sam says, this is the single worst idea I've ever heard. You just whacked a whole house full of people, and that's when the blade was nowhere around. And now you want to be in actual contact with it? Dean says, we don't know that I have to be in contact with it. All I know is that we need it. Sam says, no, no. All we know is he says we need it. We don't even know what he wants us to do with it. Dean says, one step at a time, all right? We play it safe. We learn whatever the spell is, how it works, and we keep the blade out of my hands. Dean takes out his cell phone, and Sam says, are you sure this isn't the mark making you want the damn thing? I mean, why would we trust anything Metatron says? Dean says, I don't trust Metatron. Sam says, you don't trust, then what? Dean says, what's his game if he's lying, okay? The blade without me is useless. The blade with me is trouble for him. Uh, Dean dials, oh, that sounds weird. Okay, Dean, uh, Dean dials on his phone. Looks like I wrote dicks a bunch of times. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> okay, um, Sam says, what does he want? Dean says, I don't know. But if we weren't willing to take a shot, then what was the point of bringing him here? Unless you got a better idea. So we cut to hell. Rowena is pouring a cup of tea uh, in Crowley's th throne room. 
she says. <laughs> what? What'd I do? Sounds, like you said in Crowley's song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Rowena says, of course you recall the lovely lullaby I sang to you nightly after you fed the goat. Uh, Crowley is sitting on his throne. Uh, he says, you never sung me a lullaby. You dosed me with whiskey until I passed out. I Rowena mean, says. <laughs> sounds like something that would happen. <laughs> yeah. Rowena says, even then, I had a touch for pharmacology. Your mom was a prodigy. Crowley says, funny, not what I called you. His phone rings. Uh, he checks the caller ID and says to Rowena, business. Crowley answers the phone and says, squirrel, it's been a while. Back to your former self? Dean says, Crowley, we need to meet ASAP. Crowley says, where? And Crowley listens while Rowena watches him. Then he hangs up and says, I got to go. Urgent. Matter of state. Rowena says, my son. And she straightens Crowley's lapels. So important. Shall I wait? Uh, shall I wait dinner for you? I think I wrote that wrong. Crowley says, you don't cook. I don't eat. It's a perfect arrangement. And then Crowley <laughs> teleports away. Rowena says, not even a goodbye. She looks around the room. She's totally alone. She opens up a drawer and takes out a pair of scissors. Uh, she's humming to herself, and she opens up a closet where there's like six identical dark ties hanging up. Rowena cuts a piece of fabric from one of them. Uh, we cut to a bar. Claire is holding a pool cue, talking to a young woman named Britt. Uh, they're playing pool together uh, with Britt's husband, whose name is Tony. Claire says, after my mom split and went crazy, Randy was like a father to me. First, I lose my dad. Then I lose my second. And who killed him and trashed my life? Claire says, the buddy of the guy who killed my first dad and wants to be my third dad. Britt scoffs and says, wow, sounds just like my life. Okay, really, Britt? Does that did that exact same thing happen to you? Because I sort of doubt it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Tony says, complications and pain. That's all family get you. Claire says, yes. Britt says, that's why me and Tony keep moving. No strings. Hey, why don't you hang with us for a while and unload this whole mess? Claire says, uh, you might want to reconsider. People near me get pretty unlucky pretty fast. Claire's cell phone rings and she looks at the screen. She says, oh, my, that's him again. Tony says, the guy who killed your second dad or the guy who killed your first dad? Claire says, the second thing. Britt says, tell him to get lost. Claire says, I did. He's a turn the other cheek kind of guy. Britt says, hun, you seem real sweet, but sweetness don't clean up messes. Claire says, yeah. So we cut to a street. Uh, it's nighttime. Sam and Dean and Crowley are standing in front of a brick wall covered in graffiti. Dean says, really, Crowley? Radio silence? Sam says, say something. Crowley says, you want me to do what? Sam says, we need you to bring back. Crowley says, bring back the blade? I don't think so. Uh, we cut to Rowena, still in hell. Uh, she's attaching strips of Crowley's ties to a hex object. Uh, back in the street with Sam, Dean, and Crowley, Dean says, you don't have to give the thing to me. Crowley says, I should say not. Dean says, no, no, just retrieve it and hang on to it until we need it. Crowley says, you, Moose, you're the sane one. You on board with this? <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to Rowena. She chants, wings of Titania. Titania? Whatever. Bear minds. Oh, okay. All right. 
I can't do this. <laughs> My brain is doing it in her voice, and I'm trying not to. Okay. Bear mine eyes aloft as I bid thee. Rowena finishes the spell, and then her eyes roll up in her head, and her spell allows her to see what's happening with Crowley, who is still with Sam and Dean. Crowley says, insane. You want me to procure, procure, damn, I am struggling so hard. <sighs> you want me to procure the most dangerous weapon on the planet for Dean Winchester, the man who goes mental every time he touches it. I thought you'd want to go for a beer, catch a film. Sam says, look, if this plan works, Crowley says, it's not a plan. It's a probable death sentence for me and my kind. Sam says, if it works, it's better for you. Look, when the mark is gone, the blade can't operate. Dean says, win-win, huh? Win-win? Crowley says, stop that. It can't operate. It's hidden. Dean says, okay, the blade might be powered down, but the mark is not. I'm doing everything I can to keep it together. You think the body count around me is high right now? Wait till Hal takes over. <clears throat> Do you know what that's a reference to? The what? It's the... When he says Hal, when it, wait till Hal takes over. Hal? No. Hal. Yeah, it's from... Um, no. Did you ever see 2001, A Space Odyssey? That movie? No. <laughs> it's, um, this movie fucking traumatized me as a kid. Like, this is one of my big, this is, this is the origin of my, um, sad robot problem. I'm not fucking around. It's this, <laughs> it's this movie. So it's a, I think it's a Kubrick movie, right? I think it is. And, um, I have no so idea. it's, it's <laughs> old, like it came out when I was young. So I don't think you were born yet. Um, but it's a, like brilliant masterpiece of a movie but um at one point so they're in space in the spaceship and i think these two astronauts have to like go outside to do something and then the computer that runs the ship goes fucking crazy and won't let them back in and the computer's name is hal and eventually they get back in but it's this like this fucking computer they decide to turn it off right as you do right in those moments so hal is like slowly powering down and he's sad about it and he's singing this little lullaby to himself about it and it fucking traumatized me this computer being like totally aware of his death when i was like four i have issues from this <laughs> anyway and it's this it's that daisy song oh my dad <laughs> growing up so my dad fully knows that i was stressed about that and when he there was a couple times he got mad at me when i was a teenager and he'd play that song <laughs> <laughs> Just like, and go away now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah. Fuck that movie. Okay. <laughs> Not that it wasn't brilliant, but when I was little, it was very upsetting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So all right. Uh, Sam says we figure you stash the blade somewhere far away. Crowley says, "Damn right. It's in a crypt with my bones." Sam says, "All right. Well." Crowley says, "I hate Guam this time of year." Uh, Rowena is now back in her body and smiling. So we cut to some time later in the throne room. Uh, Guthrie is tidying up scrolls. He says, and why is this empirical communique coming through you? The king always deals with me mano a mano. Rowena says, well, the king, my son, had pressing affairs and asked me, his mother, to speak with you, his most trusted underling. He said, only Guthrie can be trusted with this task. Guthrie says, I don't know. Rowena says, it's not your place to know, just to obey. I did mention that as his majesty's mother, I have an unerring sense of what or who is best for my son. Yes. <laughs> she says, as you were that. Rowena says, you will recall, it was I who exposed the traitor Gerald, the one the king executed. 
Turns out not all demons are nice. And I am a tigress when it comes to my bonnie lad. <laughs> Guthrie says, what is this task the king requires? Rowena says, your resume indicates you were a crossroads demon before your promotion. Guthrie says, I was. Rowena says, then you do travel. Is that not correct? So we cut to the men of letters bunker. Uh, Cass walks in through the front door. Sam's at the table. Cass says, the first blade is back in play, and Crowley is the one getting it. I don't mean to be an alarmist, but you. Uh, Dean walks into the room with a beer bottle and says, yeah, well, you know us. Uh, when we screw ourselves, <laughs> we like to go whole hog. Cass says, this would be the Crowley who let the blade turn Dean into a demon. Dean says, I don't have a choice, okay? I don't do this. I'm down the rabbit hole. Hear evil, see evil, do evil. The trifecta. Sam says, Cass, look, let us worry about this. You've got enough on your plate with Claire. Cass says, Claire's gone. Sam says, gone where? Cass says, I don't know. I, I should have stopped her. But I am certain that she is destined for more trouble and disappointment. She is so, so full of rage. Dean says, listen, man, if I could make it better, I would. Cass says, it's exactly why I'm here. I was hoping you might reach out to her. Dean says, me? Cass says, yes. Dean says, seriously, I'm probably the last person she would want to hear from. Cass says, I thought there would be a connection. One extremely messed up human to another. You could explain why you murdered her only friend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm calling somebody extremely messed up. Is going to help either, dude? <laughs> I know. Dean says, oh, well, yeah, when you put it like that. Cass says, all I know is she won't talk to me. I thought if she understood the kind of man Randy was and the danger she was in, she might... Dean says, what the hell? Why not? Long shots seem to be the theme around here. I'm going to go make a sandwich. <laughs> Cass says, I'll, uh, I'll text you her number. Dean says, okay. Cass says, I like texting. Emoticons? Uh, but Dean leaves the room. Cass says to Sam. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Cass says to Sam, he seems calm, considering the effects of the mark. Metatron is in proximity. Sam says, too calm. I think he's worried about what'll happen if he pops the cork. So we cut to a crypt. Crowley walks in and blows the dust off the lid of a marble sarcophagus, which is inscribed with the name McLeod. He opens the lid and we see a skeleton uh, and a box. He takes out the box and opens it, but it is empty. Uh, so we cut to Rowena sitting on Crowley's throne in hell. Guthrie walks in holding a briefcase. He sees Rowena and clears her throat. Romina says, oh, oh, sciatica. I needed a firm chair. Uh, You're like perpetually like, what, 20? Yeah, I don't I know, right? Sciatica, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Guthrie says, so I 30 see. 30 tops. I mean, back I mean, like, in those had, days, you had kids at like 12. That's so true. like. That's true. If he was eight, she is probably supposed to be like 20. Yeah, right. You could do magic. You would absolutely magic away sciatica pain. <laughs> I would. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> yes. No more sciatica. No headaches. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> no more underwire. I'd like that spell. <laughs> <laughs> no cramps. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Um, where am I? Okay. Guthrie says, I have it. This is my responsibility. I'll deliver it to the king. He says, I'll deliver it only to the king. 
Rowena says, you have demonstrated unimpeachable loyalty, Guthrie. You, more than any, deserve this reward from a grateful monarch. And then Rowena stabs Guthrie with an angel blade. His eyes and mouth light up and he burns out and dies. Uh, Crowley walks in and says, what the hell? Rowena says, exactly. What the hell is going on in hell? You said Guthrie was one of your best, your most trusted, and yet I found him inciting unrest among the court. Crowley says, can't be true. Rowena says, can't it? He said you were colluding with someone called Winchester, yes? And that you were going to fetch him, what was it? The first blade, which could kill us all. He said he got it first because you couldn't be trusted. Naturally, I confronted him and he attacked me. I had no choice. Crowley says, I had a vision of Guthrie attacking me. Rowena says, a prophecy. I am an interpreter of signs. Crowley crouches down and takes <laughs> the first blade out of Guthrie's briefcase. He says, it's not possible. Rowena says, I know, Sonny, and yet. Crowley says, how could he have known? Rowena says, spies everywhere. I did try to warn you. Fergus, these Winchesters he mentioned, they're not the hunter Winchesters, are they? Because they too could be a great danger for us. I mean, today we got lucky, but tomorrow, who knows? Who is there left for you to trust? Uh, we cut to not you. I know, right? <laughs> That's all we gotta say about that. Not you. Right. <coughs> we cut to Claire, uh, Britt, and Tony around a campfire. It's nighttime. Britt says, "Oh, we loved living here. It was our dream house." Tony says, "Of course, the family came home from vacation. Screwed up everything." Tony hands a beer to both girls. Britt says, "Ha ha! I just about peed myself when the wife pulled that gun out of her purse." Tony laughs and says, we tore out of there and ran two miles, bare-ass naked. Claire puts her cell phone to her ear and listens to a voicemail from Dean. Dean, on the recording, says, hey, it's Dean. Look, Claire, we need to talk in person. Just tell me where, okay? Call me. Tony says, that him again? The guy that caused you so much grief? Claire says, worse, Dean Winchester, the one who butchered Randy. Britt says, and why? What was this Dean's connection to Randy? Claire says, he didn't even know him or the others, and he gutted them. I saw him standing there, soaked in blood, looking like he enjoyed it. And now he wants to meet and talk. Tony says, maybe you should. Claire says, what? Britt says, me and Tony are worried for you. This guy around, you're always going to be looking over your shoulder. Tony says, we've handled situations like this before. We could take care of him so they won't bother you anymore. Britt says, beat him up bad. Tony says, or something more permanent. And Claire smiles at Tony. So we cut to Dean uh, in the bunker kitchen. His phone rings and he picks up. He says, yeah. Crowley through the phone says, squirrel, I've got it. Uh, no, that's not. Uh, yes, sorry, my notes wonky. Crowley says, I've got it. <clears throat> Dean says, that's good to hear. Crowley says, of course, I'm going to hang on to it until you work out how to get that thing off your arm. Uh, so we cut to Metatron still sitting in the dungeon. Dean walks in and Metatron says, I'm guessing you're not here to reminisce. Dean says, all right, we did what you said. We have the first blade. Metatron says, not here, not on your person. Dean says, not saying. So back to you. What's next? Metatron says, this is where it gets interesting. Dean says, uh-huh. Metatron says, it's very lonely here and I have little to do but think. And it occurred to me that you really need this mark taken off you. And in order to do that, you really need me. So here's the deal. 
that first tip I gave you, a freebie. Just because you're you. Every future step, that's going to cost you. Big. Oh, and FYI, there's a bunch. Dimple's He's added, so full of himself. It just I hate him. I know. Makes me want to rip his teeth out one by one. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <sighs> uh, Dean pulls out an angel blade, slams it on the table, and, and closes and locks the dungeon door. Metatron says, what you doing there, slugger? Dean says, I'm settling a score that's taken way too long to settle. Oh, and while I do that, I'm going to get some information. Then Dean picks up the angel blade and walks closer to Metatron. He says, I'm going to enjoy every minute of it because you're going to tell me everything, all of it. And it ain't going to cost me a damn dime, slugger. <clears throat> all right, I'm going to ask this exactly once before it gets ugly. What is the next step in removing the mark? Metatron says, I repeat my offer. Each step costs you. Dean says, you're confused. See, each step you don't give me is going to cost you. And it's been a long time coming. I mean, where do I begin? Stealing Cass's grace, casting out the angels, making Gadril kill Kevin using my brother's hands, starting an angel war, and, oh yeah, you killed me. Metatron says, my morality is being judged by Dean Winchester? How many people have suffered and died because they believed in you? How many times have you lied to Sam, including, oh, by the way, when he was possessed by an angel? And you say, oh, well, it's for the greater good. But lately, buddy... That greater good thing just went away, didn't it? Now people die just because you want them to. Uh, so Dean punches Metatron in the face. Metatron chuckles and says, good, Dean, go darker. So Dean punches Metatron again. Metatron, who is now bleeding at the mouth, says, go deeper, which I'm going to giggle. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Dean punches Metatron four more times. Metatron says, surely you've noticed every time you respond when the mark gets you all twitchy, you fall deeper under its spell. You think roughing up a few humans and demons makes it worse? Try messing with the scribe of God, bucko. God, I hate him. Okay. So, <laughs> cut to uh, the mental letters, like, front room. Uh, Cass walks up to Sam and says, it's late. I'm going to drive around a little bit, see if I can find Claire. Sam says, right now? Cass says, I have to try. Sam says, well, be careful. Sam looks into the empty kitchen and says, wait, Cass, where's Dean? They look at each other and then run down the hall. Uh, we cut back to the dungeon. Metatron says, and Kevin's death? All on you. You put him in harm's way and kept him there. Gadriel possessing Sam? Who was it that tricked Sam into letting him in? Oh, and then my personal favorite, Dean Winchester, whose entire existence is defined by a war on the dark and monstrous, romancing his way around the country with the king of hell. So Dean punches Metatron two more times. He says, let's try this again. What is the next step? Metatron says, what is it you humans say so inelegantly? Oh, yes. Go screw yourself. <laughs> Sam runs up to the dungeon door, followed by Cass. Uh, inside the room, Dean grabs the angel blade from a table. Sam tries to open the dungeon door, but it's locked. So he starts pounding on it. Sam yells, Dean! Dean says to Metatron, now it's time to get serious. Sam yells, Dean! Dean holds the blade against Metatron's throat and says, what is the next step in removing this mark from my arm? Sam yells, Dean, open the door. Hey, open the door. Then Dean starts to cut Metatron's face. A tiny bit of grace leaks from the wound. Dean holds the angel blade at Metatron's throat again and says, what is the next step? 
Then Dean rips Metatron's shirt open and, sli- and starts slicing down his sternum. Blood and grace kind of trickle out, and Metatron screams. Sam and it makes me very happy. <laughs> me too. I know. Part of it is like, grab that grace. Like, what are you doing? Cass needs that shit. Okay. Uh, Sam is like kicking at the door, but it won't budge. So Cass shoves him out of the way and says, move. Cass raises his arm. Uh, inside the dungeon, the mark on Dean's arm starts to glow red. Metatron says, behold, the river shall end at the source. Outside the door, Cass's eyes glow. And then the dungeon door shatters. Uh, he looks a little winded. Uh, and Sam rushes past him into the dungeon. Sam says, no, Dean, hey, stop, stop. Sam grabs Dean and pulls him away from Metatron while Cass checks on him. Uh, Sam says, you were killing him. Cass says, I have to take him back. Sam says, Cass, this won't happen again. Cass says, I gave my word. I have fences to mend in heaven. And as it is, I have a lot to explain. Metatron says, if you ever ask me for help again, I will choose death. You realize it's going to get worse, Dean. You're going to get worse. Uh, So we cut to the mental letters library. Uh, Dean is sitting at the table with his head in his hands. Sam walks in and says, hey, you okay? Dean says, he said the river ends at the source. Sam says, what does that mean? Dean says, maybe nothing. It was the last thing he said before you guys busted in. Sam says, Dean, look, man, we had to. Dean says, hey, no, I get it, all right? I was going to kill him, and I couldn't stop myself. Sam says, we'll figure it out, all right? You know what Cass said about needing a powerful force? Dean says, yeah, so? Sam says, so, I've been thinking. Look, Kane still has the mark, right? Dean nods. Sam says, and he's lived with it. For years, he's lived with it. So, yeah, the mark is strong, but, Dean, maybe there's a part of you that wants to give into it. And maybe you have to fight that, you know? Maybe part of that powerful force has to be you. Dean's phone rings. He picks it up and says, yeah. Uh, Claire over the phone says, it's Claire. And we see that she is still by the campfire. She says, I've thought this over. Claire walks over and sits next to Tony and Britt. She says, maybe it's only fair to hear your side of it. I mean, Castiel seems to trust you a lot. Dean says, yeah, okay, where do you want to meet? So we cut to daytime at a lake. Uh, the Impala drives up to Tony and Britt's camper. Dean is by himself in the car. Claire watches him through the camper window. Dean gets out of the car. Uh, Britt is hiding in some bushes, holding a bat. Dean six, sits blah, blah, blah. Dean sits down on a nearby park bench. Uh, Tony is lurking behind him. Claire watches them sneak up on Dean. Tony is holding an axe. Suddenly, Claire gets up and runs to the open camper door, and she starts shouting, No! Dean turns his head and sees her, and then looks around in alarm. Britt swings her bat at him, but he ducks. Uh, Tony and Claire run toward Dean, who puts Britt in a chokehold with the bat. Tony attacks Dean, who shoves Britt away. Uh, They struggle, and then Dean shoves Tony down on the ground next to Britt. And then Dean picks up the axe. Claire yells, No! Dean raises the axe, and Tony flinches. Claire says, no, no. Dean swings the axe into the park bench. Tony and Britt run away, uh, and Dean looks at Claire. She turns around and goes back into the camper, and then Dean leaves. The whole ending seemed a little awkward there. I mean, the whole end of that scene, like, you're not going to say The whole anything? scene was kind of weird, though. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Okay. So we cut to uh, a road winding through a wooded area. Still daytime. Cass's uh, Lincoln drives into view. Claire is walking down the road. 
Cass pulls up and talks to her through the driver's side window while coasting along beside her. Cass says, Claire. Claire says, how the hell did you find me? Cass says, angels are able to find those who pray to them. Claire says, pray? Oh, believe me, I gave up praying a long time ago. Cass says, well, it doesn't have to be a formal prayer. I could pick up on a, a longing. Perhaps she wanted to tell me something. Claire says, no. And she stops walking. She says, I don't know, maybe. Cass turns off the car engine. Claire says, I guess I just... And then Cass gets out of the car. She says, I wanted to tell you that I I thought about what you said. I'm going to try doing things a little bit different. Let go of that little bit of monster in me. Cass says, well, I could try to help you with that. Claire says, I still got to go it alone. But I could maybe call sometimes. Now get out of here, would you? No one's going to pick me up with that butt ugly car sitting there. Cass says, I'll see you, Claire. Claire says, oh, hey, not that you care, but I like you better in a tie. Cat smiles, and he gets back in the car and drives off. And credit. Okay, so um, my thoughts for this episode. The yeah. first one be, is that, you know, at least Dean knows that he's crossed a line, you know? like That's he true. He may or may not be able to uh, control it, but at least he knows that he's done it. You know, like, That's and true. And he's not just, like... And I guess it's that he knows that he's done it and he kind of like feels some sort of emotion about it and about like, like he feels bad, you know, like. And he doesn't want it to happen again. And he doesn't so want it to happen again. And he's not just like, yeah, I did that. Like, I'll do it again. You know, <laughs> like. Right. Yeah. He's taking so. steps to try and control himself, you know. Yeah. With the, the no drinking and yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. a good thing, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Of all, you know, of all the ways that it could be going currently, it could be going a lot worse, I guess. So I agree. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's that. But um, so also <laughs> I've I've always kind of had this thought, but like not really. And for some reason, I mean, like I shouldn't say, but not really. Like I've always kind of had this thought, but it didn't really like solidify in my mind like what the thought actually was until this episode and it's that Metatron's voice kind of reminds me of what's his face uh Vecini right From, <laughs> you're totally it's right. conceivable you know like he, his voice kind of reminds me of that and like sometimes the way he talks kind of reminds me of that just like minus the lisp you're totally right and now and he is like, if they were ever going to remake that movie, and they should never try to do that. Oh, no. But if like, they were going to, no. and they weren't going to have that same actor, I can't remember that that actual actor's name. Um, but, oh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. They, they would, should absolutely, this should be the next choice for that. Because, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah I, I absolutely <laughs> agree with you. Now, I, I, I don't think I've had that thought, but now that you said it. 1,000%. You are yeah. correct. Yeah. And that's, that <laughs> Never is... Never mess with a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, wow. They just... I mean, they don't sound exactly the same, but they sound pretty similar. They do. Yeah. Just like, I think if he had the list going, it would be even stronger. But, like, mm-hmm. there's just... It must have been something in, like, the way he said one of his lines or something in this episode. I was like, oh, there he is. You know, like... You're totally right. No, they they do kind of talk in the same mannerisms. 
And yeah, I mean these these well, characters well, that they played anyway. Yeah. Sure. And Princess Bride is supposed to be funny where he and you know, this Metatron is supposed to be obnoxious, you know. Right. But you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Just, anyways. Not gonna, like put everyone from the cast in Supernatural into roles in that movie. Okay. Oh, Real question. I mean, Dean has Who's to that? be Wesley. Either, okay. Either Dean or Sam, one of the well, two. I feel like Sam may be my is Sam going to be Andre then? Because <laughs> I feel like watching Jared act out Andre the Giant's lines <laughs> and just everything in Princess Bride would be like comedic gold. You know, like, yep. he's agree. good at being a giant lumbering oaf. You know, like okay, so if if Dean is going to be, or well, if Jensen's going to be Wesley, then who's Inigo? Misha. You just blew my butt right off. Oh, my God. You're <laughs> totally right. That yeah. didn't even cross my mind. Very technical. You know, like, yeah. very not emotional. So, much. I mean, like, he has his emotional moments. But, like, you know, like, very strategic, very technical. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, who's Buttercup? Hmm. Osric. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. I would go. I don't mean anything offensive by that. I was just, my brain immediately went to yeah. when he cosplayed as a Little Mermaid, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> he could do it. He could do it. Oh, I All would right. say if I had to put somebody in the Buttercup role, it would have to be. Oh. What about Joe? Either Joe or Charlie. I want Charlie to be Mad Max's wife. Yes. <laughs> That's who I want her to be. Yeah. That makes me happy. Who would be Mad Max? Metatron. <laughs> no, he's the scene. Yeah, he's got to be the scene. Yeah. But that's just the voice, though. I'm talking about, like, actual character. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So he would have to be Vicini. So. Wait, who's Crowley? Oh, is Crowley Humperdinck? <laughs> I wanted to be Humperdinck. <laughs> I do too. Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Charlie's got to be Mad Max's wife. I feel like. Who would be Mad Max, though? Bobby. Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of like the crush the patriarchy, but also like anything could happen at any moment. We're all going to die. You know? Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Who are we forgetting? We're forgetting the six fingered man and the albino. <laughs> Someone else? Um, six fingered man. Six fingered man? I would say. What about John fucking Winchester? I don't think he's that, but I feel like, I don't know you want what an actual I would villain? put John Winchester in as. I know. I feel like the six-fingered man would have to be maybe Yellow Eyes. Ooh, I dig it. I love that actor so much. Fred Lane, I think is his name. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I love, I love that. I love it. Yes. yes. And then... The albino. Who would play the albino? It's got to be somebody that's kind of goofy. 
Oh, oh, um, DJ Qualls. Yeah, Garth. Yep, there you yep. go. There All you right, go. we got it. Wait, did we get a Mad Max? Was that Crowley? No, that's Bobby. Bobby. And Crowley's Humperdinck. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, though, Crowley, I don't know about Crowley and Humperdinck, now that I'm thinking about it, because Humperdinck, like, there's no redeeming qualities, and, like, Crowley... I feel like has some redeeming qualities. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, but Humperdinck is entertaining. He surely is. Like his, his personality is like, he's not funny, but his, he's so ridiculous that it's funny, you know? Yeah. 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 We can keep Crowley as Humperdinck. I feel Mostly like, I, I just like want to call, call Crowley be, Humperdinck. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I think Mark Shepard would be a good Humperdinck, not so much Crowley, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'll go with it. I love it. I love yeah. it a lot. Now it needs to happen. Okay. <laughs> it is now canon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's because right. Because we say so. <laughs> somebody write that fan fiction. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody already has. <laughs> yeah, um. Anyways, so my only other thought for this um, is that, like, okay, you've got all this stuff going on. Like, you've got all these, you know, like, obviously, Kane, when he gave Dean the mark, was like, hey, there's all these things you need to know. So you know that Kane knows things. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just go find him? <laughs> you know, like, why do you need to get Metatron? And why do you need to do all these different things? Like, just go find Kane again. It was, you've already done it once, you know? Like, right. I agree with that. And, the, and you know, not to be spoilery, but they do eventually have that thought, right? Oh, yeah, no, so for like, sure. But, like, why? The, I but wonder like, why if hasn't it happened simply, up until now. <laughs> I wonder if it's simply a matter of, like, those actors' availability. You know, maybe because may, that that does seem pretty obvious. They wanted to make it longer and more drawn yeah. out, probably, yeah. you know. Right, right. Some like episodes of sort of filler on how they got to there. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, there's no real consequence other than like, are you going to die from, you know, demon danger, really, with Kane? Yeah. But like, yeah. with Metatron, you got to deal with a whole bunch of shit. And like, the process of getting him out of heaven, like, all of that is. Way more like, difficult, I would think. Getting him out and, is going to be tricky. Putting him back in is also going to be tricky, you know? Because, like, it's Metatron. Nothing is easy with Metatron. Exactly. Like, and leave him you know? Douchey attitude. Whereas Kane, you don't really have that very much, you know? Well, like, Kane. Well, a little more dangerous, slightly evil. I wouldn't even call him evil. I would say Kane is dangerous, but I wouldn't necessarily call him evil, you know? Like... I mean, he yeah. just seems kind of lost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he's complicated and pretty yeah, absolute when he makes decisions. Um, yeah. But I like looking at him, so I mean, put him yeah. back on the screen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that too? Hey, <laughs> right? I know. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm yeah. sure. It was, yeah. I feel like it was an availability thing, you know? Probably. Ooh, I did. I guess I did. I do have one other thought that I wrote down somewhere else. Um, so the whole like, I'm his mother thing is getting really old with Rowena. Yeah, I just I I forgot in these episodes, her earlier episodes. I mean, she's always manipulative, of course, of, of course. course, to get to get what she wants. But I forgot how 
how thickly she laid that on in her first yeah. episodes. It's where just you're like, just like, okay, oh. we get it. You're his mother. Move on. You know? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it and does. I it does. Why doing it, but yeah. still, it's it's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does get on my nerves, but I think it's on everybody's nerves. And oh, we're for sure. To feel and that I think way, she's but, yeah. supposed to be irritating a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like at least as of right now, this is what she, her character is, is kind of a nuisance. Mm-hmm. And like, you could tell she's got something up her sleeve, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, it's just, yeah, she just doesn't like, it's so annoying to me, almost offensive that she doesn't try to hide it. It's so obvious yeah. to everybody, you know, what's happening. Yeah. That she yeah. doesn't try to hide that more. Like, you would probably be way more effective if you pretended that you weren't trying to be like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. But maybe the thing just her... is, is that I think, like, it's also working for her because nobody's taking her seriously because of it. Mm, that's true. That is you know, true. Like, yeah. I'm sure that that's probably why they made her kind of that way. Because, mm-hmm. like, people are just like, oh, whatever. Like, here's this lady going on again. And, like kind of making her fly under the radar because she's so not under the radar, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. But, yeah. I know. Yeah. I was, I was still watching that and I was just like, Oh my God, like stop. we get it. <laughs> and then I was like, why do I even like this character so much? And I'm like, oh, okay. Cause she's awesome. She's definitely entertaining. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I had forgotten how annoying that was. Yeah. yeah the first yeah. like few episodes with her it's like oh my gosh okay we get it you know yeah <laughs> right, right done I'm done mm-hmm. <laughs> um so what is your favorite moment from this episode okay well I didn't really love this episode very I mean I don't know it just the whole listen I like the actress who plays Claire I even like Claire yeah but, um, but when you're faced with her story arcs like they're really sad. Also, she is kind of an annoying teenager and her angst, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. like, those things together, I'm just like, ugh. And again, not that I don't like her, and I don't, I, I do like how her story ends, I guess, yeah. you know, in season 15. I think that's cool. But, mm-hmm. um, but fuck, man. Like, it's just, you're all up in the sadness, really, with her right now. And it just, yeah. it just bumps me the fuck out. Anyway, okay, favorite moment um, <laughs> would be, this is a weird favorite moment to have, but towards the end, Metatron in the dungeon, getting the crap beat out of him by Dean. I liked that. Yeah. I liked that mm-hmm. a lot. I, and uh, there are other moments that I liked in this episode, but every time he punched Metatron in the face, I was like, yes. Thank <laughs> this <is> so you. So <laughs> good. Do it again. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. What was your favorite moment? Um, that was also kind of one of my favorite moments was Metatron getting the snot kicked out of him. Um, the other one was the kind of like the, you know, and I don't know if this is what they meant or whatever, but I'm going to take it as canon because that's <laughs> what I want to do. <laughs> but, um, I, in my head, Cass wears his tie for Claire because Claire has now said multiple times that like, I like you in your tie. This is the color tie you should wear and all that sort of stuff. And like from now on, Cass pretty much yeah. wears a tie. And I don't so, remember like, if we talked about this or we if I came. About this. Well, yeah. I know that, but like, I remember I said I was going to look into it and then I oh. found the answer and I don't remember if I told you the answer. Maybe you told oh. me the answer. I don't fucking remember how I came across this answer or if we <laughs> talked about it, but here it is. That, um, so when Cass um, went crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And stopped wearing everything. Once he put 
his his you you know his normal clothes back on that did not include the tie and then huh. with claire so he did wear it every time we saw him up until that moment what just happened sorry i was just holding my pen and then shot off <laughs> oh no, i thought like it just like dropped onto your desk right in front of you and i'm like dude no, I was just like holding it in the end, just went fling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, continue. Okay, Sorry. Okay. So, I was so just he, like, what in the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Okay, so he did he did wear it every time we saw him up until that point where he got rid of that outfit, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he did not put that tie back on until this episode that or that last episode that Claire was like, Do you have a tie? You know? Yeah. So and then I don't remember if he's worn it between then and now, because I, of course, didn't look at that. But now he does wear it. Yeah. Yeah. At this yeah. point. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's so in my head, Absolutely. it's because of Claire. So that's and I is. like that, yeah. you know. I like that, too. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. that and Metatron getting the holy shit beat out of him was <laughs> It was very, so satisfying. It was so satisfying. Yeah. 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 That, that, that needed to happen. <laughs> um, does that need to happen daily? Yes. Maybe it does. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, you know, like, I know the whole, like, spanking your children thing is controversial for a lot of people. He was a kid that needed to get spanked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can agree with that. Yeah. (coughs) I'm getting myself all worked up here. I hate Metatron. It's fine. My brain just went, like, does God spank his angels? Or does he assign another angel to do that? And now I need to know. The angel of the spankings. (laughs) Spanking angel, there must be one. <laughs> I mean, like, God has wrath, right? So, right. but doesn't I he normally he have thanks? <laughs> but he does punish them. So, right. I mean, like, and the ways that he's going to punish people is going to be much more effective than spanking them. So, I would say, you know, like, he's not against spanking. <laughs> But he likes I to go bigger. Know. Yeah. I feel like this could be digging myself into a weird, like, theological hole that I shouldn't be digging myself into. But, like, you know what? On this podcast, you know, we discuss the important things. So that's all. You know, like, me personally, and while this may be controversial, like, as long as you're not doing it to hurt them. I feel like it's not that big of a deal, you know, as mm-hmm. long as you are calm and you're doing it, like, in a way that is, like, okay, I'm not out to hurt you, you know, like, you know, if it's, like, hey, your kid is having a total meltdown and needs to get, like, snapped out of it a little bit, like, pat him on the butt in the middle of the bookstore and be, like, hey, chill out, you know, like, fine, you know, like, that, whatever, you should never take your kid and start smacking the shit out of them because they didn't listen to you. You know, like that's Mm -hmm. not, there's two different things, you know? It is. And listen, like I'm never going to, you know, tell someone what not, what to do and what not to do with their kids. You know, like Mm -hmm. that, that is controversial, but I think it really, what they want to do, you know? And I really, I really feel like, I mean, for us, like my family, like we just kind of looked at it, like what is, what is going to be the best thing for him? You know? Yeah. Spending well, time with him and learning his personality. Too. That's exactly right. It depends you know, on the like, child. It depends on the parents. You know? Mm-hmm. It just, it really depends on all those things. So that's, oh, that's where sure. I stand with it. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I don't care what people do as long as you're not like outright hurting your kids. Like, you know, mm-hmm. okay. You know, whatever. Like, <laughs> I definitely like, it's so funny because like, 
in my family, like we got spanked. My brother was the kid that was like, if they were like, I'm going to spank your butt. If you don't knock it off, he would have a meltdown. I'm so sorry. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, for mm-hmm. me, I would bend over and be like, do it again. Did it hurt? You know, like, <laughs> you got two different personalities there. True. Like for yeah. me, spanking was probably one of the few things that you could do to like get me to take you seriously or my brother, you'd threaten to spank him and that would be enough, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember. I, I think I got spanked a couple times, but it was never hard enough to be concerning. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't remember it having the effect on me that they were trying to have. Yeah. You know, it was, I was more not just like traumatized whatever. by being spanked. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I probably traumatized my parents <laughs> once the spanking didn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like ah, mm-hmm. do it again. Screw you. You know, like mm-hmm. Yeah. What what really you. what really convinced me, um I did look into it quite a bit um once Killian started having some attitude. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so um but I, I read a couple of things that were like, hey, like you're teaching your kid that somebody bigger is is OK if they harm smaller people or older people can harm, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I don't need him to think that, <laughs> you know. No, but again, no. It's, I, but again, that's... but I'm not saying that that's the case with everybody. You know, again, yeah. it, it really it really does come down to what everyone is comfortable with and yeah. the, the kid and the parent, all of those combat <laughs> together. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, and it depends on what you're doing it for. You know, that's like the biggest thing for me is like, you shouldn't just like spank your kid to spank your kid and have that be the, like the punishment that you do for everything. Like that's obviously probably not going to do you much good, but if mm-hmm. you need to like snap them out of it again, like if you're somewhere and they're having a total meltdown and you need to just pat them and be like, listen, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not doing this this way this is not this is not what's happening right now to like get their attention you know more than Mm -hmm. anything else that's one thing like I don't necessarily think that like spanking your kid when they're in trouble like I would much rather like I'm see I'm a patient bitch (laughs) (laughs) and so I would much rather be like okay you know like you get to go in your timeout corner you know like and you are gonna sit there until you're calm and then your time will start. So you can have your full-blown meltdown if you want to, but that just means you're going to be sitting in the corner for longer. I'm patient. I'll wait. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's much more effective than spanking them. They just be like, okay, whatever, get it over with. I'm moving on. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, if they're anything like me, <laughs> like, they're just going to be like, <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, do it quick so that way I can move on and go do what I was wanting to do you know like yeah to me taking my time away from me would have probably been more effective as a kid than like getting spanked you know mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah again depends on the kid depends on the person whatever yeah anyway um so <laughs> now that we've gone down all these rabbit holes um <laughs> this is what happens when we don't record for like a month I think I know right? <laughs> you get a very long episode you're welcome I'm so sorry but that's okay sorry but not sorry anyway yep. um <laughs> Uh, so our interesting facts from this episode, um, it says this episode is dedicated to Matt Riley. Um, he was an extra and a stand in for Jared Padalecki. Uh, the cast, um, has honored him and his struggle by urging people to understand mental illness, get help and help those in crisis. I'm guessing that means that he passed away. I didn't say. Yeah. 
Um, we normally dedicate episodes to people, to people if they're they still have. around. Yeah. You know? I mean, on Supernatural anyway. I guess yeah. I guess everything I've ever seen, really. So. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. Assume that that means that he passed away, and it was probably something to do with mental health. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that's what they were honoring him for. So anyway. Yeah. Um. So it says, um, as Rowena is preparing a spell, she's cheerfully humming the folk song Scotland the Brave. Um, She and Crowley slash Fergus are originally from the 17th to 18th century Scotland. Um, The tune is actually dated early 20th century, but is considered one of Scotland's unofficial national anthems, which I mean, okay, like that's when they're from. But she was she's still been around. She's still alive. Yeah. She would have heard the new songs and like exactly you know probably liked it you know <laughs> yeah which is she's seen it yeah um, so um uh this one kind of goes with the last one it says um as Rowena is cutting Crowley's tie, she's humming Loch Lamond, um, and later she hums Scotland the Brave. So there's a couple of different tunes okay. that she hums. Scottish little ditties, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um so it says uh, Bradley Stryker, who plays Tony, also played Uncle Ted in season four, episode 11, Supernatural, The Family Remains. Um, it he says, did not seem familiar to me. Yeah, no. That's funny. Um, but, I mean, that happens with, like, all of the episodes. They're like, oh, this person's been in this episode. I'm like, yeah, could have fooled me. You know, like, <laughs> yep. it could happen probably, like, every other episode and have them with different characters, and I wouldn't necessarily notice it until, like, <laughs> sixth or seventh one, you know? Like, yeah. I think I've seen that face before, and even then I wouldn't be able to put it together. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, it says the title of this episode is a play on the popular young adult novel series and subsequent film adaptions, The Hunger Games. Um, it says, uh, and the last one is uh, Guthrie tells, it says Rowana in here. It's Rowena. Somebody typoed that. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> says, King always deals with me mano a mano. Um, it is a common belief that mano a mano means man to man. Rather, it means hand to hand. Oh, I did it's not true. know that. Yeah. Mano is the word for hand in Spanish. Huh. So if you're saying it like in the context of it being like a Spanish thing, then you're mm-hmm. the hand. You deal with them hand to hand, not man to man. Interesting. Okay. But huh. anyway, so. There's that. <laughs> yeah. I learned something. Yay! <laughs> Learning things. <laughs> so our research from this week is um, off of maryannpoll.com. Um, it says America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers. So I'm guessing she's like an author or something like that. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know if she's an author of books or an author of this blog or (laughs) Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but so we were looking at, uh, fall, fall river, right? Not fall. I keep wanting to say fall city and I know that that's not right. Fall river, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we found it's haunted destinations, Freetown, fall river, state forest in Massachusetts. Um, 
It says, um, okay, it says a forest stroll is usually a peaceful activity unless you're in Freetown Fall River State Forest. The majority of these woods, usually referred to as Freetown State Forest, pass through the center of Freetown itself. If you dare, you can meander the 50 miles of unpaved roads and trails. Uh, that's a lot of miles, um, which cut through its 5,441 acres. Damn. Um, Freetown State Forest regularly makes the list of most haunted forests in the world. Um, it is part of the fabled Bridgewater Triangle and is known as the Cursed Forest of Massachusetts. Uh, okay. I don't know why I said Cursed Forest. It's probably <laughs> just Cursed it. Forest, but <laughs> well, whatever. It is absolutely called the Cursed Forest from now on. I feel like that's like when they're trying to emphasize things like that, yeah. they say Cursed and not Cursed. And so yeah. that's just like where my brain went to, but that's fine. I like it. Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> flair for the dramatic sometimes <laughs> <laughs> so it says um behind freetown state forests comforting shady paths and bright clearings lurk a dark reputation documented murders and tales of the paranormal surround these woods first some of the murders in november of 1978 the corpse of 15 year old mary lou aruda um, was found tied to a tree in the woods uh james m cater was eventually convicted of the murder in 1980, the police investigated another murder near the forest. Um, several locals told them that they witnessed satanic cult activities in the woods. Um, some believed this activity to be connected to the so-called Fall River cult killings occurring during the same period. Uh, suspicious clearings stained with animal blood um, were found in the forest. Uh, the oddly arranged carcasses of cattle were later, later blah, blah, discovered in the woods, giving yeah. more credence to ritual sacrifice rumors. Um, it says in 1987, a homeless man was somehow mistaken for an undercover police officer and killed. Um, in 2001, two bullet riddled bodies were discovered on Bell Rock Road, which winds through the forest. And then it says, and then these bizarre instances. In 2006, reports of roving and aggressive dogs plagued the area and an escaped emu. <laughs> what? <laughs> <coughs> I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> An escaped so... emu was spotted wandering the forest and charging visitors. Oh, poor little emu. Well, listen, I've had a bad emu experience myself, so part of me is like, fuck that emu, but like, you're probably scared. No. <laughs> no, okay, I've right. been around emus and. They're usually, it's not a scared situation. If they're scared, they get out of there. If they're not scared and they're just like, fuck you in general, that's when they start like pecking you and chasing you and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, I have somebody to pick on now. Yeah. Like, I've not been around tons and tons of emus, but I have been around a couple and consistently, not just like once or twice, but like, yeah, no, they, they, <laughs> if they want something, they'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> gonna say that emu tried to eat my face 100 yeah. <laughs> percent yeah it probably was... did you have glasses on yes wait ah uh, yeah probably was like ooh, something shiny i'm gonna take that you know? oh that makes sense yeah i was just like what the fuck yeah <laughs> no it was definitely... like a petting zoo situation yeah i would go with like there's a 98 percent chance that that thing was probably trying to just take your glasses <laughs> probably also it was taller than me so yep mm -hmm. yeah they're tall are tall mm -hmm. assholes okay all right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it says there was an escaped emu that was spotted wandering the forest and charging visitors 
I wonder whatever happened. Like, did he did he get back home? Either got back home or wandered off. Something made it. I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it says in May of 2016, people discovered wires stretched across frequently traveled forest paths, strung in such a way as to catch off-road motorbike riders across the neck and likely to decapitate them. Oh my God, that's terrifying! Like people are just like, oh yeah, let's just decapitate people today. Like, wow, why? You know, like that's insane. <laughs> I feel like that would be enough to like maybe have the police set up cameras in that area oh, to try. You would think so, right? Like, yeah, but, I'm sure there's way more to that story. Probably all these stories, but I would, probably, I would be yeah. very interested in how that turned out. Yeah, I know, like, why? that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it says, uh, these explainable events are enough to give anybody a, or give any place an eerie, unwelcoming feel. Add the forest's supernatural reputation and the area pegs the extreme creepy needle. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so as mentioned initially, the forest sits in the infamous Bridgewater Triangle, a 200 square mile area within southeastern Massachusetts. The triangle is the epicenter of an astonishing collect- collection of inexplicable, bizarre phenomena report, uh, reported since colonial times, um, including strange creatures, Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, specters, ominous black helicopters. Okay, let's be real. That was probably just the military. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, mysterious orbs of light, strange disappearances, giant snakes, poltergeist activity, and cattle mutilations. I feel like that sounds really familiar, and I think we probably covered that in a very early episode, but I don't, I don't. Rem- I feel I like remember this is like things. very yeah. Skinwalker Ranch to me. It is That's very Skinwalker what Ranch. It's yeah, like reminding me of it. Yeah, anything. but I remember, I remember a, another triangle, you know, in that around that area, New England. Oh, probably. Yeah. So I think we did talk about it, oh, but I think that was years ago. So yeah. I don't oh yeah, know. and I'm probably you know, lying. Yeah. It may maybe there's more than one. It could there could be multiple. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Um, okay, so it says, um, the forest is rumored to be a home to a race of diminutive humanoid creatures known as puck wedgies, um, which have long been known by the native Wamp- no, boy, Wampanoag tribe. I'm guessing that's how you say that. I'm not totally sure. Um, okay. I feel like we've talked about puck wedgies before because. See, that didn't seem familiar to me. The, I feel like I would remember. To me. I feel but like I, I would remember. Why. Some, a puck wedgie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know but, that. Uh, okay. All right. It sounds familiar. From, it sounds familiar, but I don't know why. Like, it's very possible that, like, he showed up in Skinwalker Ranch or something. You know, like, I could have yeah. seen it literally anywhere. I don't know if it was, like, podcast related. But Yeah. Interesting. Anyways. Um, it says, uh, these creatures are described as troll-like beasts between two and three feet in height. Um, they sport smooth, hairy gray skin that is said to glow on occasion. Uh, the Pukwajis have a reputation for mischief and mayhem and are said to intentionally startle people, throw rocks or sand in their faces, push or shove them, kidnap them, hurl them from cliffs, wrestle with them, or even attack them with knives or spears. Sound like Ewoks to me. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe not as cute. Yeah. Maybe not as cute. Sound like little assholes to me. <laughs> God. Like fairy thing. Like, this, that's the stuff that you hear, like, in, like, you know, old, like, especially, like, Celtic, mm-hmm. you know, culture. All the, like, fairies and pixies and that sort of stuff. It kind of sounds similar to that, you yeah, know? Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It says, legend says the Pukwudgies are, comp- are competent magic users and shapeshifters. The natives give these creatures a wide berth, claiming that they cannot be trifled with or approached. Numerous visitors to the forest claim to have seen such beings. And the mischievous beasts are blamed for a high number of people supposedly falling from cliffs to their deaths in the area. Hmm. Um, it says, Freetown State Forest is littered with locations that seem to be possessed of some dark power. Perhaps the most well-known of these is an 80-foot-deep rock quarry known as the Assonant Ledge, or the Ledge. Um, visitors to the Ledge report being overcome with a burning, unshakable sense of dread when nearing the quarry. It is rumored to be a hotspot for Satanists and other cults, as well as ghost sightings. Numerous people report seeing ghosts jumping from the Ledge, only to disappear before reaching the water below. Others say they see a spirit standing ominously at the top of the Ledge. In 1974, then-Governor Ronald Reagan reported seeing strange lights in the sky within the forest. The story goes that Reagan was flying in a Cessna over the ledge with pilot Air Force uh, Colonel Bill Paytner and two security personnel. They noticed strange lights tailing the plane. The lights accelerated, decelerated, and elongated all within minutes. It reportedly reportedly shot upwards at a 45 degree angle and disappeared. Reagan related the incident to Norman C. Miller, the Washington bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal in 1974. Um, a Wampanoag uh, legend is related to Profile Rock, sometimes called Joshua's Mountain. I feel like that sounds familiar, but again, like, maybe not, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reportedly takes on the image of Wampanoag chief Ma- Massasoit? Ma- Massasoit? I'm I'm going with that. I don't, I don't okay. know. All the names are hard, man. Like they city are. names and people names. Like I've never heard any of them before, so I have no idea what to even guess, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, and legend has it, is the location where the chief's son died. The tribe has long held the rock to be a sacred place. Um, to this day, the name Profile Rock conjures images of various ghostly phenomena from strange glowing disembodied voices to orbs of light to sinister apparitions Hmm. um then there's the hockamock swamp Uh, the swamp is a 16,950 acre wetland covering much of the northern part of the southeastern massachusetts or part of southeastern massachusetts and is the state's largest freshwater swamp uh the swamp gets its name from the native wampanoag people and means place where the spirits dwell Um, early settlers to the area quickly learned of the swamp's dangers and numerous alleged ghosts prowling its darkness and called it the devil's swamp. Um, It says, uh, mysterious animals are said to prowl the swamp. Um, these wetlands are also hotbed, um, oh, I just lost my spot. Okay, no, these wetlands are also a hotbed of UFO sightings. Uh, there are regular reports of ghosts, specters, and phantoms in the vicinity. Hockamock Swamp is the site of numerous massacres and brutal conflicts between early settlers and the native people. Um, one theory is these horrors infused the swamp with an evil force and made it um, made it the haunt of vengeful spirits. Um, adding to the list of strange places within Freetown State Forest um, is an immense 40-ton boulder known as Dighton Rock. Um, numerous and mysterious petroglyphs, uh, drawing of figures, geometric shapes, and alleged cryptic writing cover the boulder, none of which can be comprehensively identified and have unknown origins. 
this all kind of sounds like Skinwalker Ranch to me, just like in a different area. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, it says, in summary, if you decide to visit Freetown Fall River State Park, be ready to see more than just beautiful scenery. Prepare to... Or prepare yourself to encounter UFOs, ghosts, and mysterious animals. You never know who or what will join you. Um, now I want to visit. As long as that fucking emo isn't there. Emo? Emu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Listen, not that I don't think emus are cute, but I just had that one bad experience and that was it. Okay? So. They're definitely... Yeah. They're, they're interesting. I don't have anything against them per se, but yeah. like I have a healthy respect for something that could peck my eyeballs out. <laughs> yeah, and listen, like everything that you just read to me about, you know, what may be in that forest, nothing scared me more than that emu. So I just sort <laughs> of put that out there. <laughs> I take the emu, you can take the rest of it. Perfect. All right. Good. I like it. Oh. <laughs> 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 So what was your edge of harassment moment for today? <clears throat> okay. Um, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I did a social media post for our podcast um, about that we were, you know, taking a couple weeks off from publishing episodes unexpectedly, whatever. Um, I was looking through my, my pictures of us, you know, to put with that post, and I couldn't find one that we hadn't already used or was wildly inappropriate, right? So, um, so, you, you make it sound like we take all these inappropriate. <laughs> no, we don't. I just mean inappropriate for the, to whatever. You don't yeah. know. You don't know what we know. I guess you know, but whatever. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of There's it's nothing kinky going on. Yeah. So, um, so I found that picture, which we had never posted and it's like, what? It's like five years old, right? It's an old picture of us. Yeah. Um, okay. It worked. I'm happy. I, I, you know, posted them. And then uh, Killian was looking at it and Killian knows that I am now 40. Okay. I'm 40. Mm -hmm. It's fine. He calls me shorty 40. It's kind of cute. I'm fine with <gasps> it. He, he teases me, but like in a, you know, a way that doesn't actually hurt my feelings. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he's looking at that picture and he's like, you know, in this picture, you look way older than 40. Lassle. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, um, this picture is, five years old though so I'm 35 in this picture and even in this in 35 I look older than 40 he's like yeah I was like do I look older than 40 now silence <sighs> Michelle do I look like I'm 50 not that there's anything no. wrong with 50, but I'm not 50 I don't you want do to not look like you're 50 okay okay I'm just I stressed out a little bit and then you know I, I got my feelings hurt. <laughs> I wouldn't then I, say like you look like you're in your 40s. I'd say 30s for sure. But like, I just, I, and look, I, expl I explained to him why he should never do that again <laughs> to, people. to and, anybody. <laughs> and, and he was, he was teasing me. So that's okay. As long as he's not, you know, seriously Still though, like, going around mean. telling yeah. women that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not calling him an ass butt, but. <laughs> but you're not, not. <laughs> Look, you said it, not me. All right. I'll say I, it. He was mad, but <laughs> I, I love Blame that shit on me. That's fine. He can be mad at me. I don't care. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. So then I was really concerned about how old I look. What? I mean, okay, that's fine. That's probably what's going to happen from now on. So whatever. But yeah, he's just being a pill. <laughs> Oh, no. You do not look like you're <laughs> in your 40s. I would say you look like you're in your 30s, but not Thank 40. Thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you. I just, man, I don't know. Punk. <laughs> I think he was just teasing me, so it's fine. But also, like, I'm like, do I really look like I'm 40 in that picture? Okay, everybody at home, follow us on social media. Look at that picture and tell me how old I look. Thanks. <laughs> Comment it and be like, how old do we, like, tell us how old we look. Because I'm curious for me, too, because I always get people all the time that, like, I had somebody the other, the other day, bless their heart. I, like, <laughs> so I was talking about, what was I talking about? Oh, it was a client. And I had said something about, like, I had been married before or whatever, because they were talking about, like, wedding stuff for somebody or I don't remember. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I've done all that before, you know, like, you know. <laughs> and I was, they're like, you're not old enough to be married and divorced. <laughs> I was like, doesn't take long to get divorced sometimes. <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah. like, I was like, um, how old do you think I am? You know? Yeah. And he was like, like probably like 24. And I'm like, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Oh, that's you know. I was like, oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I usually, I usually get like that people don't believe that I'm as old as what I am, not the other way around. And I don't know if that's just because like, you I like never look wear younger. makeup, and I know I look older when I put makeup on and like actually try to look like a human. <laughs> I don't think you look older when you do that. I don't think I look old, but I do think I look more like not like a teenager <laughs> when I put on makeup because it gives me like actual defined features on my face. Mostly huh. part of it is because I think I'm so pasty white that like there's just I don't know whatever, but yeah like. I'm curious, though, to see, like, what the general population thinks yeah. of, like, how old I am. So, in that picture, gosh, so if that was five years ago, I would have been 26, 26 27, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean, it might even be a little older. I, I don't I, I remember looking at it and going, oh, yeah, this is, like, five years old. But it, it's it's not... Like it might be a couple of years older than that, even. Yeah, we'll so. have to we'll have to find like you'll have to figure out where you found that first of yeah, all. Yeah, I had to like dig out. deep in my in my Google Photo Cloud <laughs> for that. Yeah, but, yeah, I'll find it and see what. You that should was. figure it out, and then we'll have to you know if anybody actually goes on there and responds on it, be like we were this age. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I'm curious now too. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was your idiot or aspect moment? Uh, okay, so announcement time, I guess. Um, I'm pregnant, so there's Yay! that. Um, I am, I'll be 16 weeks tomorrow. Um, yeah. So I have a couple of moments <laughs> from, <laughs> you know, doctor's visits and whatnot so far. Mm-hmm. Only one of them has been like, you know, I wouldn't say bad, but like, very annoying you know mm-hmm. the the rest of it like okay you know whatever it's like it's not it's not a big deal this one <laughs> okay so like I'm kind of getting to the point now where like I'm not I mean I'm not sure because I was literally just I just had the flu for like a week so like I'm still yeah. kind of like not quite with it but like I think I'm getting to the point where I'm not like as exhausted anymore mm-hmm. um 
<laughs> at least for the time being, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was so, that was like my biggest thing for the first like few months was I was so, so tired, like all the time, like could fall asleep at any given point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I needed a Slurpee. <laughs> As After you do. work one day and I went into the gas station and I like I was tired like whatever and I so I go in and Travis like I had texted Travis to see if he wanted any like snacks or anything or anything from the gas station and so I was like kind of wandering around finding what he wanted and I found a couple snacks for me and then I went and like got myself a Slurpee or whatever and I get up to the line and like thank goodness I was the only one there at that point because it would have been like really awkward if there was other people in the line or in the store or whatever mm-hmm. and the guy goes is life going okay <laughs> <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> like I'm pregnant tired leave me alone like and then, so I was like um yeah you know like like I'm good, you know, and I wasn't going to be like, dude, like, I'm pregnant, leave me alone, you know, like, I didn't want to, like, get that deep into it, you know? Yeah. But I was kind of like, yeah, and he's like, oh, are you sure, like, everything's going okay, you're good, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you ask him, like, why do you ask? No, I was like. <laughs> I'm gonna get the hell out of here. I'm probably not gonna come back. You know? That is really like, awkward. I've been back since then. But so, and then of course, you know, so like in our area, we don't have a ton of this, at least not like where we live. And this 7 Eleven is not very far away from my house. It's just like a few miles, if that. And so, like in this area, I wouldn't expect that this would be a problem that he would like see you know yeah I get back home and I'm like this fucking guy asked me if I was like if life was going okay and he Travis just starts laughing he's like that's what you ask like crackheads (laughs) 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 like the meth addicts that live down the street like they come into the store and you go is life going okay for you because they were corrupt (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) 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 I know I look like shit when there's random people asking me if my life is going okay oh that's amazing and bad you know and like (laughs) yes do I I always kind of have like dark circles under my eyes that's just like I've always looked like that since I was a kid it's just always a thing like I don't and probably because I'm just so see-through white that like (laughs) the blue just shows up you know (laughs) there's nothing you can do about it but like so I'm used to kind of looking tired all the time but like I must have looked like I either got the shit beat out of me or I just got off of like a week long drug bender. Or <laughs> it was not looking good. You know what I want to do now? <clears throat> I want to like, next time I spend the night, maybe like, let's just get up and go and like, see go if, and, yeah. yeah, go there. Hopefully that person's there and just try to look as wrecked as possible. <laughs> <laughs> And see, like, at what point 
He's like, hey. <laughs> that sounds like a fun challenge. I know. At what point does he go, are you guys okay? Is this your master friend? You know, like, is this your dealer? What's going on? Like, I don't know. And like, it's not like I was like dressed all like crappy in sweats or something, you know, like yeah. I just had like yoga pant legging things on and like a fleece and like my Birkenstocks because I just came <laughs> from work and like, I mean, I don't wear makeup to work because I'm in a dark room and what's the point? Like I don't wear makeup most of the time yeah. anyway, because again, what's the point, you know, but like, <laughs> what? You know? <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, apparently, um, when I am in that stage of pregnancy, I look dead. (laughs) Well, I didn't really notice you looking dead at all in the last few months. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would say that Skype filter or the Skype lighting probably does help with that a little bit. (laughs) Like, I know I did notice, like, more dark circles under my eyes for a while, but, like... (laughs) Not enough to ask if somebody's a meth head, essentially. <laughs> Do meth heads wear Birkenstocks? I feel like no. What? Do meth heads wear Birkenstocks? I feel I like... Would, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I, uh, I feel like in this area, wearing... If you were doing meth... I mean... I will say the generalization in this area anyways is that if you are on drugs, you are also probably homeless. <laughs> and Maybe I don't yeah. know that you would want to wear Birkenstocks everywhere. Also, those are expensive shoes. <laughs> That's where I was so going, like, yeah. Like, you know, like, those are not something that you would just, like, buy at Walmart or whatever to, like, get a cheap pair of shoes that are, like, covering your feet and stuff to, like be out and about in, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know, I don't I know, gotta, I guess I gotta think about that, <laughs> but, <laughs> the I mean, of like, heads. okay, I know, like, I mean, again, like, I don't know what meth heads wear, but I would assume it's probably not Birkenstocks and Columbia fleece, <laughs> you know, like, huh. yeah, <laughs> anyways, I'm just so, now yeah. I'm trying to figure out what exactly we're going to wear to this 7-Eleven when I we feel like I need to wear the do. same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, you wear the same thing. I don't, uh, hmm. I'll think about it. Think about what I should wear. But I really do think we should just Here's roll right thing. out of bed and is like. What I want, no, kind of what I want to do is go in like our sweats, you know, like yeah. wear our sweats and like a jacket and like. You know, some sort of, like, actually look like we're not putting it forth any effort into anything at all. Yeah. And then see what happens. Okay. Because if we could, like, if we go and we are dressed like that and nobody says anything, especially if it's the same guy and he doesn't say anything, then I know I just look like shit that much more (laughs) (laughs) at that point. (laughs) okay all right we'll do it we'll have to do this every time I come over just in different states of decay (laughs) (laughs) and see see like what exactly makes him ask that question I know I really want to know do you just have something against people that don't wear makeup and like don't look apparently like they care (laughs) I don't know. But I'm guessing it was because I looked really tired and I probably was yawning and like 
you know, moving slow. <laughs> yeah. Fair, you know, like, because, you know, that's was, that was pretty par for the course. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'm excited we have this new mission. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and email us your Idgit and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.